Welcome to Creative Dialogues. Creative Dialogues is a Wollongong City Council project. This series focuses on the arts and creative industries and aims to help you upskill, form strategic partnerships and collaborate. My name is Tom Hogan and this episode's discussion is on new media and creative technologies. I think most people's experiences with innovative programming is one that's explicitly in two dimensions. Think of constantly tapping on your phone, for instance. And there's this mysterious idea of virtual or cross-reality. Like, and the most common understanding of that is what's presented to us in blockbuster films, like, I don't know, Iron Man using holograms to build his new suit or whatever. Now, I'm an arts practitioner who works in music and theatre and writing, so these programming ideas aren't part of my grab bag. But I'm keen to understand more than just the Hollywood version of it. So we've pulled together a panel of artists today who are all working on different forefronts of virtual and interactive technologies. Let me introduce you to Aburuchi Chikara. She's an engineer who studied robotics and mechatronics and then changed course into interactive design and electronic arts. She teaches at Sydney University under the title Creative Technologist, which is really cool. I asked her what she's working on right now during the COVID-19 shutdown. There's a few few projects on hold, so it depends. (laughs) Why is that? What am I working? (laughs) I would say like one of the ones that I'm super excited about, I was going to do it for Vivid this year, but it's been moved for next year. And it's got that mix of a lot of different things, but it's... um, phone booth with uh where people can talk to the phone and whatever they say is uh, then um you know changed to uh, uh artistic like outcome um oh, okay. so so it's like it's got a chat bot like if, if you break it down from how i see it i have to build a telephone booth that is uh, that work can go out in public so i have to build a lot of like you know make sure it's safe i have to put projectors on it so i have to figure out what the projectors are um i have to come up with the chat bot i have to build the electronics so for me it's just like all these little <laughs> things that i have to now solve so my design engineering side is kicking in um so that's probably what i'm um, doing next and I, I, I can see that at every stage there's a bit of you know art and design constantly mm. being woven through like what questions what will these people say how will it be what will be the visual what will be the sound of the chatbot like and stuff like that yeah so I think that's probably what I'm like super excited about the next big big yeah, thing right. yeah sounds great that sounds awesome yeah that that sounds awesome voice is Jane Venegas who's a virtual reality content producer Her focus is on creative education and gender rebalancing and accessibility in technology and VR through her company, Nested Realities. The sort of the next milestone on my mission to democratise technology is is building a VR application. So something that I'd like to build and release. Um, And it's a storytelling application. So for people who start creating their own content and being able to tell their own stories and create their own VR um, experiences because that's something that, you know, there's quite a high uh, technical Mm. barrier to entry. Um, You need to know how to use uh, game engines. So you mean it's like an interface that allows people to sort of build an experience for someone else? Yes. That's amazing. Yes, yeah, so they can create their own sort of little end-to-end, just a short story, um, but something that they can kind of create themselves. And if that weren't enough, we also have Dr. Joe Law and Dr. Anishka Golder. 
These collaborators are team leaders behind a fascinating and quite beautiful project called Spinning World, which featured a 10-meter interactive tapestry and touch-responsive fabrics, all created in collaboration with climate scientists. Listen to what they're working on next. Um, Joe and Anishka, are you like have got a? Did you have a collaboration in the work, or are yeah, you? Yeah, we've we've got an exhibition in Hong Kong, like Richie where you are. <laughs> That's at the moment. It was uh, is in September, so we'll see how that goes. That mm-hmm. was uh, extending our graphene work, and we had this idea, you know, the tactile touching graphene. The tactile mm-hmm. touching. We're developing that, so you don't have to be that close to it for for the things to work. And now, given that the you know the touching thing now is is it would a different world about touch. The the exhibition in Hong Kong should be really interesting because that one is about trays. And yeah, you just have to be near it, near the work for it to do something to speak to you. So hopefully I'm really looking nice. forward to and the, and the exhibition space is absolutely massive. So this yeah. time we can do a 20 meter tapestry yeah, rather wow. than 10 meters. So <laughs> Yeah, the measly 10 meter one that took over two walls. <laughs> That's wasn't right. Big enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that all sounds incredible. Like, the, all of these are like, incredibly relevant. Like, I'm here practicing guitar scales in the hopes that, like, oh, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll get a gig. I don't know. <laughs> um, Thank you for having us. Hi. Thank you for the interaction. Hi. It's so, I'm so happy you're all here. <laughs> uh, you're all people who are bridging the gap between creative arts and technology. So, obviously, this discussion is going to be open for everyone to chime in. But as a starting point, I figure... Um, like I always believe that creativity is almost like inherently human. And I know I sound like such an old coot, but I, I think one of my greatest fears is that there's this brewing sense of like technology overriding our creativity. But like looking at all your respective careers and projects, you're all explicitly looking for ways to treat the two equally or to enhance the other. So I was wondering by way of introduction, at least to each other, I could ask each of you what draws you to the space between science and technology. Like if I start with you, Jane, like, did you have? Did you come from a creative background in order to sort of get to where you are with your company? I wouldn't have called myself a creative, but I've always worked adjacent to creatives. So, um, I studied an arts degree. Um, I started working in print media, um, working closely with graphic de- graphic designers, and um, and giving creative briefs. Uh, but I was never the one on tools myself. So. I was very much always interested in that world and the visual image, um, but not so much myself. I kind of always thought that was something that somebody else did better than I did. Um, and so when I first found VR and started playing with some of these creative tools, um, I found that incredibly empowering and inspiring and just loved that and sort of really dived into it from there. So that's what um, I find really encouraging for other people as well. So I think it's really important for people to be creative and don't feel too much pressure about talent um, so much, but it's more about being creative and flexing that muscle. So that's that's one thing that I've sort of done a bit of a loop with and, and come back and now I'm really happy creating some of my own content and working with other creatives. I think that's um, that's sort of a really beautiful way to work. Does that mean your own content through nested reality? Like you're using that as your kind of gateway to your own artistic practice? Definitely. Um, so I run creative workshops um, and a part of that is I create some of my own work as well. Um, I'm one of the artists in residence at Wollongong um, Town Hall and so I'm creating some of my own art as well and sort of raising my profile but also teaching creative workshops and encouraging others 
um, to start using some of these creative tools that have now become available in virtual reality. Um, I've been working with some high schools as well, creative arts programs. Um, so definitely I'm leaning on the creative side of technology because that's what I think is so empowering and is a nice gateway for people to really start playing with technology who might not necessarily think that they're inherently great at tech. Uh, I think that's a nice soft kind of introduction to technology. But maybe I'll just um, move on to Aberucci. Like, I mean, in comparison to that, like your position at Sydney Uni as a creative technologist um, with a robotics background, it sounds like you... I've, I've gone the other way. Yeah, exactly. It's funny. So I, where I'm sitting, I can make, I can program, I can be artistic. Mm. So I think it just kind of, I've got all these building blocks of things that I like and I can, in the where I am, I can put them all together and not feel like I have to choose one or the other. Um, so yeah, I okay. think... Yeah, I think I've, I've always had these multiple things that I like to do and have been choosing one or the other as I've kind of come, you know, work through life. But now I'm at this. Like it's like a full palette of ideas <laughs> that you can choose from. Now I can just, time. yeah, I just like put it all together. That's sweet. I mean, that sounds, that's like kind of the perfect, like equilibrium between it all, I think. Uh, Joe, was that, am I right in thinking that you were in electronic media first and then you've sort of yeah so me media arts um moving image electronic interactive electronic media so what was that so did you find your like the artistic practice through collaboration is that how you sort of sort of got there or started to be involved in those projects or were you kind of like dabbling the whole way through um i've been working with um Technology has always been part of my practice, my artistic practice. Um, and uh, talking about collaboration, Ignitia is probably one of my first long-term collaborators. Um, and, uh, you know, in the, <laughs> in the UW context, you know, giving UW a plug, that interdisciplinary practice is really important to our, for our research. And um, and in the in the creative environment as well, um, trying to um, not so much break down the boundaries, but really understand from working with different mediums, different media, and also different you know research discipline. What do scientists really, um, you know, how how do they actually work and make new knowledge? So um, I don't think our creative practice have changed so much as how I suppose maybe how we tell stories in the more kind of uh, 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 from different perspective, mm, mm. with with broadening that that uh, that perspective and that that um, you know crossing the boundaries. So, um, yeah. No, I'd say like even like mentioning like University of Wollongong is like most artists I've worked with from um, UAW seem to be like like ready and engaged and not scared of technology within their practice at all. Like that is seems to be a common thread between all the artists I've worked with through Wollongong anyway, they seem to be very happy to incorporate that. And that that just allows for a different horizon of stories to be told. Our approach is the world's problems today require multi-perspectival approach to solve this problem. It's not just the climate scientist or the mathematician or the engineer or the artist. We need to come together to approach these very complex problems with our different knowledges and working together. It's not easy, mm. but it is very fruitful. So, um, you know, we talk about multidisciplinary. Often we talk about um, in an artistic uh, creative side, we're talking about multimedial uh, as in terms of approaching from different mediums. Mm. 
I mean, Anishka and I as artists work slightly differently, but we are working from an artistic approach. So when we actually work with scientists, uh, engineers, they come in from very, very different way of thinking and solving the problem. So it's very, very interesting and very productive. Although sometimes we do end up. <laughs> yeah. And you have to like, yeah, of course, it's like you have to actually solve the equation of how to get, yeah, like how to solve the problem is actually the, the real kind of relationship that's being mm. developed there, which it sounds like that's a thing that um, Aborigine just has to do just as being as a human being, <laughs> let alone um, mm. dealing with like, like various scientists at the same time. I mean, uh, Anishta, do you find the same thing? Like, it looks like your creative background was much more in textiles and like nature and then technology is a more recent inclusion. And so like, mm, 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 as a collaborator, mm, mm. it sort of brought out th those that side of you. Is that a correct reading? Mm. So I, yeah, my, my current practice, visual art practice um, involves um, installation art and that kind of allows for different approaches. Mm. So sculptures, textiles, and painting as well was my training. I did textile design as well, so a little bit of technology I started to dabble in in that um, kind of aspect of my life. Um, in terms of um, collaboration, I've always worked with other people and what drew me um, towards um, uh, Joe's practice was actually materials. So we both were sitting under the tree and I think both of us were actually, um, I was crocheting and Joe was knitting. So that was kind of weird because I looked over and I went, what is a electronic media artist doing with textiles? You're not really a textile artist, <laughs> are you? <laughs> and then we opened up a conversation about materials and um, animating them. We also both share um, interest in Japanese animation and Miyazaki's approach to animation yeah. as well. And, and both of us actually found out that we really wanted to be scientists. So in, in year 12, I actually did physics, chemistry, maths one and two <laughs> and ended up in an art school. Um, and um, Jo, as she said before, she wants to be um, still, I think, a mad scientist. I wanted <laughs> to be an um, astrologist. So, um, so that's how we kind of got to collaboration in terms of technology, it started off with a, with a project that Joe and I did together. And we always start on the premise of what do you want to do, you know, walking around and seeing things. I want to create something that will save the planet. Yeah. You know, that's, that's kind of, you start with really big ideas. Um, but it's about moving people. It's about the artworks mm. moving. Um, and um, Joe has... Um, those skills, those um, ex she has expertise in an area where she can actually move materials that I really love working with, um, and that's where we start. Mm. Well, even like yeah, I mean your your project alone, even though you were so you sort of seem to be sort of being glib about trying to change the world, but you're you were literally communicating like climate science and sort of having the emotional connection to the science as well. Like that is like you, that is the kind of achieving that thing, um, or at least mm, like mm. like striving to sort of do it. Um, the, I mean, the, the, they are the struggles or arguments with scientists. We we don't represent we don't represent science data, mm. but we we use it. We draw on it on on that those perspectives, those evidences, and reimagine things through the practices yeah. through collaborative um, methodologies and practices that we do. Um, so the 
the biggest projects that we've done together was around coral. Um, and we worked with oceanographer, but also with a material scientist. And the exciting part there was where we could tell the scientists that we wanted eco-friendly approaches and we drove that. Um, yeah, and developed new kind of materials as well. Yeah. So it was very exciting. Mm. I mean, I've always thought of collaboration, let alone between you two, like um, collaboration is the idea that you can, you make the work that neither of you could accomplish on your own, essentially. So like, mm. Um, mm. definitely. Uh, and I'll mm. link to the Spinning World documentation in the show notes, all that kind of stuff like that. Um, uh, th- for those for those who don't know, it was it was like a quite a glorious and quite huge um, textile representation that kind of like mm-hmm. sung back to you sounds of the ocean. Um, it was incredibly detailed, um, and like they, there was sort of like different sort of aspects to it. And that particular part was just like the the huge kind of centerpiece of it. Which uh, the more I looked into it, was like collaborating with uh, yeah, as you said, like um, climate scientists and. Uh, the textile sort of world specifically and you sort of created work Mm. between all four of you which is Mm. um astonishing like it was it was it was a huge it's like a huge work it's it's fantastic Mm. i think the best thing with that experience of that artwork is actually it is seeing the audience being moved Mm. by by the experience by encountering this immersive massive you know we call it a tapestry but it's (laughs) you know it is a uh, hand stenciled, sprayed, you know, ink sprayed with these elements in it. It tells the story, not in a didactic way, but it invites the audience to to immerse. And so all the scientists and artists have played a part in creating that experience. Mm. And and I tell this story and I wish I actually had it documented when I was in the museum. This is up in Powerhouse and a little girl came along and said, you know, because, they, you know, it's next next to all these exhibit they touch everything they want everything to you know come alive for them and um she said what does this one do and i said if you listen carefully these are these and em- uh, handmade embroidered speakers so they don't look like speakers they look like part of the picture but i said if you listen carefully you can hear the great barrier reef and she kind of lent her you know ear very close to it and she went oh and her sister came along and what does this one do? You can hear the Great Barrier Reef. And that was just really a beautiful moment, you know, as, an, as a creator, just having that, yeah. Would you see that as like, like that individual response, that's how you know success and that you've achieved the thing? Or that you've, is, is that the goal you're going for, I suppose, when you see those interactions? You're like, yes, we did, we did it or... Well, we're talking about initials, talking about movement, but we're interested, you know, animation, but we're talking about movement, not just a physical movement, but actually emotionally being moved by an experience, which I think is what the power that art has. And um, Ignishka had a similar experience of someone uh, touching the graphene panel. Oh, oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, So that that particular um, uh, graphene was developed and it was quite green so it didn't have many chemicals in it Mm. which was really great but um a viewer touched it um and she she had an emotional reaction she she cried wow because she actually she actually felt as though she was um engaging um through touch with with the images of the coral and she could feel the texture and Mm. she was moved by climate and what was happening to the um yeah to the to the environment so i was i was actually shocked because i was thinking 
are you okay? Did something happen? Yeah. Did, like, did she get electrocuted or something? <laughs> but, um, yeah, so uh, there, there is a huge potential in art for immersion, like emotional immersion where you can open up a story about something that's really hap uh, happening in the world that needs attention. And I think in terms of success, that's, that's where the core is. Mm. So if you can see someone move and engage for longer than two seconds with the work and kind of trying to figure it out, you go, yeah, yeah, got them, got them, okay. That's yeah. good. That's good. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, the the tactile response to that, yeah. like it literally, like it, it doesn't seem like the kind of thing you're even supposed to touch. Like it looks quite delicate and it has the kind of you can mm. sort of see the graphite layers in there. And once you do it, the whole thing lights up. And I think you said it was designed mm. as like bioluminescence, so it literally like was supposed to light mm. up in this kind That's of surprisingly right. yeah. organic way. Yeah. It was a genuine surprise. It was lovely work. It was fantastic. Mm. Thank you. Um, mm. Speaking of success, I could like combine that with Aberucci and like as far as your project goes, if it's immersion or is it interaction, like what does Sistex look like well, to you? I think a couple of good points were raised then. Um, and with my stuff as well, um, my primary stuff is uh, interactive um, artworks. And um, I also do some static stuff as well, just to explore different technologies. Like I recently did something that was artworks made from laser cutting so that's more static but primarily the stuff that i do is interactive and it is that that moment when um you know they get it and you're like yes you know that's a win um you know because you're sitting at home designing all the interactions and you're like this is how it's going to work i've done all the tests but you're never in the exact position or in exact situation your your participant is going to be. You don't know what's in their head. You don't know how they see it, how they're seeing things. You can only, um, you know, um, design it yeah. to a certain extent and predict those things. And um, so I remember one of my first installations was through Wollongong Council as well. And that's how I kind of got onto the field, um, in, into the field of this. Uh, but it was uh, down at the, near the IPAC and it was, my aim was to do something very simple. Uh, it is called <laughs> cloudy with a chance of play. Um, and so there's just these clouds dropping. And so there was an area that people knew they could go in and it's purely just clouds dropping. And as soon as they enter into the, the area, they kind of get sh a shoulder and some dangly arms. And that was projected on a big wall, wasn't it? So it was like kind of like a game sort of setting, I think. Yeah, yeah. And it's just funny. Like, you again, you, you have all these thoughts of how they're using it. And I remember when people would jump in, for a while they'll just, just do this, <laughs> just dangle their arms. They don't care about the clouds or anything. And then... <laughs> and and then suddenly if a cloud drops they're like okay i'm done with like you know figuring out what where my body is and now i'm going to start you know looking around so it's almost like they're taking it in step by step yeah because you you've designed it you've designed it with the the, the concept as a whole so you you've got the yeah, proper yeah. interaction style but you don't know their like mood or their understanding or yeah they don't see the programming all they see is the output so they have to explore to discover yeah yeah exactly and that's that's a big big part of uh the kind of stuff that i i do and i want to do is uh designing the the, the what do you say theoretical stuff would be ludic design or designing mm -hmm. for play and a big part of it is to be, you know, leaving it open, letting the participant discover. It's more exploratory 
rather than you know giving them full instructions on you press this and this will happen because then um, it makes yeah the makes the experience very push buttony whereas it's the it's the um, you know moment where they're like kind of finding you know figuring out what your design is slowly uncovering it and unpacking it and you know as they as they discover all these bits and and every time they get one yeah. you're like, it's like yeah, that is the reward <laughs> Yeah, those are the rewards. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the biggest one is when they do things you Mm. least expect. And that's when you, you know, you take out your notebook and write something saying they figured they made this up. Like I remember this one person just danced forever. Like there was a bit of music playing, which wasn't even part, like it was just more (laughs) ambient music. And they were just dancing and touching the clouds as they went. And like, and I was like, I never thought someone would come in here and dance and I think that I when I learn or like find they make something new I think that's a big big um like success point um, I'll put well. I'll put a link to the documentation um, of that as well because that looks like quite a joyous work um as well um yeah even uh, <laughs> like comparing good, good all fun. this to sort of um <laughs> like it's as far as I work I work in a space of like theater and you, t- you tend to be sort of in control of the audience interaction which is mostly like I hope they don't um so like it sounds like it's actually quite like rewarding essentially like the the reward is watching the interaction is that right like the unprecedented kind of stuff yeah 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 one one would be they figure out what you wanted then they understand what you wanted them to understand but then they make their own mm. meaning out of it i think that's the second level um and the third is when yeah, you learn course. from them <laughs> um well then uh so i mean jane in your work you're li- you're literally showing people how to design like that it sounds or like how to sort of like how to explore and how to start thinking in that kind of way do you incorporate this these ideas of like the, the actual joy is the audience absolutely yeah. yes and um, encourage self-discovery and play, absolutely. Um, and I think, yeah, the biggest joy is seeing when people have that aha moment or they discover something themselves. So I also help um, companies, uh, you know, train, uh, I train companies how to um, facilitate their own VR experiences. And something that I always stress is that you need to not guide somebody through and tell them now press this now look to your left now select that you know because they you kill that adventure and half of the experience is people figuring something out themselves and really feeling like they're in this world and they're interacting with this world and they're getting real feedback um you know in in time that they're having this experience and it it gives a real sense of presence to be able to have that full experience and uh, and guide your own your own journey and then create something from it you know discover that oh my goodness i can paint with glitter uh, you know and i can just create this little bubble around me and fill it with glitter and it twinkles you know and it's always fun to just see people um just have so much fun with simple little tools like that and that's that's always the first um the first experience you know i love um showing people vr when they've never been in it before um, cause I think that's such a sort of coveted experience, you know, somebody's first time in VR, this is how they're going to think about this technology, you know, going forward. And I always am fearful of people having their first VR experience being like a Google cardboard or a roller coaster or one of these really terrible designed experiences in VR. Um, but if they can have like a really good VR experience, I think you can understand 
the potential of the technology and what it can do. And it can be such a magical experience. So that's something I love doing and showing people how much fun they can have in VR and what they can create in VR and that they can have agency and sort of create their own little worlds and, and use 3D space in a, in a way that a lot of people haven't used before. And you don't mean just young people, obviously. You sort of also mean the no. entire spectrum of the human experience there. Oh, my goodness. I've seen so many grown men at conferences, you know, throw glitter around, you yeah. know, enjoy in their 3D space, you know. So I, I use um, Tilt Brush a lot, which is a 3D painting application. Um, and Tilt Brush... I just think it's a fantastic, you know, fundamental VR experience. Um, and it's a great intro as well for people to sort of understand 3D space. And, you know, you're not just creating something in 2D, but you can actually look around it and walk through it. And so that's a really nice intro to, to them having agency um, and interacting with their world in a 3D space. And that, that idea of like agency and learning through like that kind of exploratory play process i mean that's just human experience of learning isn't it like that this allows absolutely like, it's people, just experiential learning yeah so like the people who have like i don't know like let's say you're a 34 year old bearded white boy um for instance hypothetically um uh, <laughs> like you, you sort of come to the conclusion like oh yeah i sort of uh know all the things that i'm sort of capable of and the idea is that you're like trying to crack open that experience for like all audience members Yes. I mean, technology is something that everybody uses every day. You know, technology is for everyone. And there are so many people that are fearful of it and think that they don't get it and they won't get it. Or if they touch it, they'll break it or Mm. they'll change the setting and it'll never be the same. Or, um, you know, there's a lot of fear around technology. And that's something that I have lived through and, 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 you know, always thought that I'd, you know, I'm never good at technology. And so being on the other side of it now, I, I really empathize with people and I understand that fear. And I think you just have to embrace it. And if you can create a safe space where you can show people how fun it can be to play with technology and what you can do and, and it's okay to make mistakes because there kind of isn't a mistake in, in creativity mm. and creative play. I think that that's a really nice approach um, to get people just experimenting and finding some joy in a new technology. If I can, I maybe I can relate that to something contrasting, like between Joe and Anishka, like your project seems to be collaborating with old and new technologies as well, like from like textile and even including metallics and different textures in there. Is there the same sense of play for the audience members when it comes to like discovering what textiles can do? Like maybe I'm, I'm overthinking it, but like... I, I, I want to like, jump in there to start because when Anishka and I started working together <laughs> uh, and, and you know, Anishka's depth of knowledge of textile, it is quite astounding and he's very, very technical you don't actually think that often you think, oh, you're doing the art, you're not actually, you know, but it's actually very specific and very technical. And it, in fact, when we're actually talking with our um, material scientists, uh, collaborator, Sepita, he said there's a lot of talking about screen printing with this graphene paste, which you actually have to rely on the knowledge that Ignisha has in terms of viscosity of the ink. So all yeah, those material okay. things are really important in, and, and, and you don't, often think, oh, you know, you're doing the arts, you don't know some of this, you know, it's more kind of like you're subjective, you just make it up. It's, it actually has to be quite precise, you know. Like it has its own, uh, like really, I mean, that's why I think about it as like old, like it's technology, mm. like it really is a very specific Definitely. development of like thought and maths and 
like detail and calculations that the same way that like the VR technology does as well, just in a mm. different interface, I suppose. Mm, exactly. Um, and provide these technologies, old and new, provide all sorts of experiences and layered experiences. Mm. Um, I mean, ter- in terms of textiles and spatial practices like installation, it is to do with our bodies, the way we respond and the way we remember things. So it is about, I mean, I'm interested in an effect and senses. So in terms of through touch, you can unfold all sorts of stories and experiences um, mm. for the viewers. It's something what Jane was talking about, where you can actually see the painting from multiple sides um, through her practice or through her, um, through her business and what she offers. In the gallery setting, it's actually very difficult to do that. Mm. You go and see a painting, you know, front on. Um, so technologies and um, that are multi-sensory, so textiles is one of those, um, electronic um, arts as well because of the kind of the sensation and the, and the sound that they can produce, like the handmade speakers that Joel made, are really, really important. Mm. Um, mm. And um, I'm just love working with those approaches um, through visual arts, you know, through the kind of analog processes and bend them a bit. Yeah, of course. But it's also when we did uh, the outdoor installation for Bandon on Trust, and you had to be our first outdoor installation. Mishka says, oh, we're going to do solar power. We're going to have, you know, self-sustainable. <laughs> so having some knowledge of the technology is, okay, I can find out how to do mm. that. Mm. And anyway, because it was outdoor, we had to do it. And we were, you know, tapping into the um, sober electronics, which means that everything's actually waterproof because the technology is made for people to put that on their clothing and they can wash them. So luckily we use those because it poured, I think, uh, <laughs> yeah. on yeah. the night. It always rains. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's really, it's really fun. It's really fun to, to you know, the, 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 the speakers, you know, looking at old technology. We were on the Phys- uh, Physicing Research Fellowship at the Museum of Applied Art and Sciences, looking in the kimono, mm. you know, looking at this old metallic um, embroidery right. method. Oh, we can, we can actually do something else with this. And mm. it's, just, it's just really fun. Mm. And then we discovered that, of course, metallic threads are conductive, so then you can do things. Yeah, of course. It's that, that next layer of thought. Yeah, yeah and also simple questions like, what do you want to do? I want the sun to generate the work. Mm. Solar panel. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. So, yeah, it sounds like it requires, like, for, I mean, again, I'm just, I'm, the way that I, the way I'm treating the conversation is just the ways that I can, like, learn to, like, enhance or think about a, a next level of practice. And I'm wondering how artists can sort of delve into those kind of ideas. And it sounds like the first step is at least, like, just, a, either a ton of research or like is there ways maybe maybe Aborigine I can ask you are there ways that an artist can like just like die like what's like an, an obvious step for an artist to sort of go down to like change their thinking I think people need to understand or or believe that um you know if they have an idea there's it is possible it might not be um it might not end up exactly how you imagined it so you have to embrace like you know you have to trust the process and you know let the process also drive the art but if an artist has an idea the be- the best thing they can do is they don't have to solve anything everything to themselves like like joe and um joe saying that you know collaboration and stuff like sometimes you might have an idea you just have to talk to you know someone else to help you 
make it real. Yeah, you actually you actually need that collaboration. Yeah, so I was recently can, talking yeah. to another artist, and she's she's in, she's a scientist, and she's like stressing out. She's like, Richie, I don't know how to do this. I've got all these ideas, and someone put me in touch, and I literally looked at what she was suggesting, and I was like, this is easy. And and that's when she was like, oh, is it? Like, I thought it would be mess, like crazy. And I was like, no, you just have to ask the right person. You don't have to figure it all out yourself. So I think, um, yeah, that that's probably the first thing artists, like they should consider if they really want to do something and it needs technology, you know, just ask someone and... and it's just communication, yeah, yeah. essentially. Don't, don't try to do it. It's just friendship. <laughs> if the answer is friendship... I am so on board with that, solving all <laughs> distinct problems. Well, yeah, go, go for the go for the re, it's research, yeah. right? Yeah. Collaboration is slightly different than employing someone to do something for you that you want. Mm, mm. Um, but either way, I think there is a level of trust that's really important. There's nothing worse than an artist going to a scientist and saying. I want this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, we we tried we tr- we tried that and it didn't work. So, <laughs> and and I think that's that's a good point. Like you have to embrace, like trust the other person' expertise, and also also um, you know, um, like I was saying, it might not end up exactly how you want it to look because each mm. each um, each uh, stream has their own constraints, like technology has its own constraints. So if you want something that is like, I don't know, fish line thin and has lights in it and you're like, wait, it's not been sorted yet. Like we need it to be at least this thick if you want light. So things like that. So you kind of have, it's like, a, um, you know, it's like designing something like it, it'll, you know, you have the vision and then you have the outcome and there's a bit of a journey between it. So, But that's part of creativity, isn't it? Adopting ideas, working within certain frameworks, pushing a bit, then stepping back a bit, let things unfold. So I think that's part of creativity. Yeah, too. yeah problem solving, mm. creative, creative problem mm. solving. Yeah, um, Jane, it sounds like you're like that's, I mean, that's kind of what you're, 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 you're trying to do is to sort of open up that part of the brain? Yes. Um, so... I, I'm definitely trying to encourage people to um, to play with more technology, to be creative, um, creative play with technology, to not be scared of new technology. Um, but it, yeah, definitely creative problem solving is something that is just so important. And I think particularly when you look at um, the way technology is, is going, really creative problem solving is one of the most important skills that people need to realize, you know, in for careers, for young people to think about their futures. Um, that's a skill that's going to serve them their whole life, you know, creative problem solving and being able to collaborate and things like that. So I think even as you see more and more automation and, you know, jobs of the future and things like that, I think creative problem solving is, is essential for everybody. Mm. Do, do you think in your experience there's a, there's a difference between the fear of technology or the fear of creative, te- um, uh, creative problem solving between different generations or different diverse groups? I think the fear of technology is something that you can see differences in, in different generations, but there's a lot of exceptions to that, yeah. um, to that as well. But, um, you know, stereotypes, I mean, look in my family, you know, I'm, I'm the tech support, you know, for my 91 year old grandmother, who's learning how to use her iPad, you know, for my auntie, who's setting up an online store for my dad, who's figuring out how to use a Bluetooth speaker for the first time. Mm. Um, so, you know, definitely I can see that, you know, it's the older generations of my family that 
um, you know, that are, that are not always picking things up immediately and need a little bit of help. And um, it's great that they're willing to try. I think that's one of the biggest challenges as well um, is, is giving it a go and realising that there's a lot of benefit that comes with some new technology um, and that just the willingness um, mm. to accept change is the biggest hurdle, actually. Um, yeah. I, I just want to add to it. So um, I um, teach programming as one of the subjects at Sydney Uni. And um, I have to say that that fear um, of technology and stuff kind of runs in, in like the uni students as well. Like yeah, you give yeah. them a give them something to use, and they're like, "Oh, I don't know how to how this works. I don't <laughs> want to use it." And you're like, "Just give it a chance. Just start learning it." They're like, "I don't, I don't know. It's not. No, I don't know." And then they don't like very soon. Like, and and that's something, um, Jane, I might have to talk to you about because I teach. Yeah, I teach design thinking, um, and to undergrads, so uh, kids in first year. I, I teach design thinking to master's students who are first year masters. And, um, and then I, I, I teach, um, what do you say? It's a, it's a design studio, but it's digital placemaking um, for, for masters as well. But it's funny how, how many times um, they, 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 they can't come up with ideas and you, you tell them, okay, let's start brainstorming, come up with a lot of ideas. They're like, Mm. they're just blank and then they come up with certain ideas and yeah. you're like you literally didn't venture out of the box of what I had suggested to you yes and I've, I've seen it across all these like you know different ages and th what I've come to realize and I was having this conversation with one of the other tutors just yesterday because we were just like getting a bit frustrated saying because one of the students said um, I want to make this and it's already been done. I can't come up with any other ideas. And we're just like, come on. Yeah. Make an effort. <laughs> Think about how many different yoga apps are, you know, available on the app store. Like, don't worry if anybody else has done something, you know, you can always do something and add to it, make it better. I have uh, like over the, all these conversations over the years, I've figured out like it is a muscle that needs to be trained. Like as, as we go through life, you know, yes we might stop, like some people keep it active and they keep thinking and they can, like I can come up with random ideas uh, talking to you right now. Uh, but I know that at least three, four years ago before I did my first design thinking course and, you know, I was more of a logical engineer before mm -hmm. that. Like I couldn't come up with like two ideas. Like my brain would just bl blank out and I was like, I can't come up with ideas. But it's just something like that. Oh, you mm. need to warm it up. Like it's like a muscle, right? You warm it up. Would you say then, like one of the like, it's like the real the real challenge in working in technology is is the is not so much the technology itself. It's more like the idea of how that technology is used or how it's implemented. Like that's. Yeah. I I think definitely yeah definitely I think it's it's because I, I I teach media arts and there's you know there's kind of almost two sides to it traditionally there's the moving image side which everyone's you know have lots of ideas about how to make a film or video and then I teach the interactive programming electronic side and everyone's trying to figure out the technologies so for me my experience is saying to me that is a kind of language yeah. you know people people are familiar with how to make a video everyone does it on their phone they might you know especially uni students done it since they were like five so it's a language they're familiar with so that they're confident to do that but program is something that's usually a little bit more alien to to people in general um, 
Now, at this point of the conversation, as Joe was discussing how technology should be quite easy to engage with, our Zoom conversation shut down suddenly, right on cue, due to my computer being on the fritz. So, give me a moment while I just frantically restart my program and... Hey, I have no idea what happened. <laughs> we'll fix it in post. That's fine. <laughs> it was very it's a good. dramatic effect. Um, yeah, technology is so easy to use. It's a... <laughs> um, Our technology is frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. Even even yeah. for the seasoned people, they'll find yeah. something new to battle with. <laughs> um, I hope I didn't miss out on any... Um, Sorry, I hope I didn't miss out on anything super insightful <laughs> that you just like cracked open for me or anything. I, I was, yeah, I was thinking um, about what um, Jane was saying regarding uh, creative thinking and our projects that Joe and I are doing, the recent project with Makerspace in terms of STEM or um, science. Steam. Yeah, yeah, STEAM, um, science, technology, engineering, mathematics curriculum. And we've actually were invited by scientists to add the A to it. So STEAM. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's kind of become become our kind of... Um, motivation. It's, yeah, motivation yeah, and inspiration, inspiration to actually put A into the into the STEAM, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's like a, that's like a huge discussion at the moment of like... Um, I mean, Whether it's, it's in or out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah does it even it's, count? It's, yeah, STEAM has been around for quite a while. Mm. But you, you talk to some um, some engineers and some scientists, it's like the first time they've heard it. Mm. So yeah. it's, it is it is really important. And I think one thing that, you know, uh, that maybe Jane wants to talk more about is this an English and are definitely something that we, uh, in on our minds about the makerspace workshop is the gendered issue as well mm. Mm. how you know we will we, we might have a a knitting craft circle is is all women mm. <laughs> and then you'll have go to the maker shops is all men so you know bring that together well, how do you, is that, yeah. I mean, how do you cross that divide? That seems like, that seems like inbuilt and systematic and like huge. Well, the, the, there is an argument in terms of um, bringing girls and young women more into the area of science and technology and engineering or mathematics, mm. that it is, it can be done through creative practices, hands-on practices. There's quite a lot mm. of research. I think that's why um, the sci- scientists are kind of pinching artistic uh, practices to be able to impart some of the knowledge or introduce and um, harness of those experiences into their spaces. Um, Jane, would you say that's like like that? Is that your kind of goal and motto there? As far as absolutely, like- yeah. Um, I think there's definitely uh, you know a, a, a pipeline, um, mm. and there's a lot of you know companies and initiatives that are that are trying to you know target girls from the age of sort of eight to encourage them to. Um, you know, to learn how to code. And then there's more um, programs that run through high school because, you know, girls sort of are dropping out earlier and earlier, um, you know, before they get to university age and realise that, you know, they, they might want to study, um, you know. And there's a lot of initiatives that are working with girls as young as eight, you know, because girls, it, that's when the sort of the gendered ideas start coming in that, you know, technology mm. might be for boys more than girls. Um, mm. You know, great companies code like a girl and they run such fantastic mm. workshops, um, you know, for that sort of age group, like eight to 12. And then there's so many more programs running through high school aged um 
uh, kids, you know, who are trying to encourage more girls so that by the time they get to university age, they might, you know, contemplate um, taking a, you know, a science or a computer science degree, um, you know, to make sure that, you know, we have at the end of the day, we have a tech industry that's bolstered with, you know, with a more of a balanced gender um, of workers. Mm. But there's, there, there are opportunities in, in the meantime um, you know, while that sort of pipeline work is, is being undertaken by so many different people um, that you can kind of jump across. Um, and, and, you know, I personally know a few people, uh, a, lot of, a lot of women that I work with who have come um, from a creative background and sort of sidestepped into technology and become, um, you know, focused on sort of creative technology. Um, and I think that that's, uh, that's a great pipeline as well because then you come from a background where you can really um, add, that, add that A into the STEAM process mm. um, and, you know, you, you sort of already have problem solving and, you know, analytical thinking and, and those sorts of um, skill sets that you really get from, from the arts and a creative approach. Um, and so that sort of upskilling and sidestepping from a, from a creative stream um, is a really interesting way to, to, to join technology as well. And I think that's something that I've been targeting, um, particularly with my high school uh, workshops. Instead of speaking to design and technology faculties, I find that the gender imbalance already in high schools is that design and technology um, has more boys in those subjects, in those electives. Whereas if I speak to the visual arts departments, um, there's a lot more females in those classes. So I, I tend to try and approach um, schools and speak to their visual arts departments and through, through visual arts electives um, in, introduce virtual reality and immersive technology and sort of run my workshops mm. that way. Well, I mean, so just before I cut out before, Joe, I think you were specifically talking about teaching coding through knitting. Is that what you were saying? Like through tactile responses? <laughs> yeah. I was trying to kind of bring in different, because um, in the media arts, when we had a program, we had quite equal split between uh, mm. um, uh, female and male. But when we, it's quite it's really quite interesting when we actually teach uh, programming, um, how comfortable people feel. So often it's, it's not even um whether they choose, you know, that mind frame is set by the environment. Mm -hmm. You know, you know how there's some technologies are much more male orientated, and, and and you don't, you just don't feel comfortable. So we're, we're experimenting to bring in coding, which you know, most art students going like, you know, it's like, Richie, like even the saying, word is shock horror so built into yeah, it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't do maths, and you know, I shouldn't be made. I'm doing art. I shouldn't be made to do programming here. Um, so <laughs> we're kind of like bringing, like you know, there's actually coding, different way of thinking about programming in every day. Look, you look at this knitting pattern. It looks like it's all coded. See how we can decipher it. And we brought a knitting in. It, it is kind of a little bit, you know, I haven't done any sort of real um, survey stats on it, but the girls did feel more comfortable because suddenly mm. you think, actually, I've already got this skill. Yeah, you know? like so, just a way of thinking, then that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Mm. it is kind of an environmental thing, um, you know, how, how you kind of got this perception in the preconception that, okay, I'm not good at this. And sometimes the environment trigger it off. I think. Mm. Uh, we did a similar thing um, in textiles. So I teach in visual arts area textiles mm -hmm. um, and invited Joe to bring in some electronics into textiles because obviously e-textiles are massive, uh, you know, as a, as a field. Um, and 
again, panic. We are here to do hands-on <laughs> stuff. We're not doing that stuff. And, and as soon as we said that you're going to be sewing on the electronics to make your sculptures glow, off they went. And in fact, we had more, we had an exhibition that came out of that. The Makers um, a Space project came out of that as well. And students were actually making more objects that were glowing outside of what was expected. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's a big thing once they, once they mm. understand it um, and, you know, they kind of know how it incorporates into their thing. They're pretty, mm. they're pretty receptive. Like Joe mm. was saying, it's a, it's a language. And once you kind of get the hang of that language, you're like, oh yeah, now I can do stuff with it. Mm. Um, so there is a bit of a, a, what do you say, learning curve that you have to kind of accommodate for and, and kind of give them the breathing space to kind of take it all in. I do feel sometimes, um, even at uni and stuff, like a lot is fed, like, you know, kind of supplied very quickly. Mm. And you, and and for someone who has never done that before, it is like, I remember when I did my programming, I'd done my bachelor's in robotics. So um, I, I could program C, C++. Mm. And then mm. I did my master's and I was doing programming and I was like, oh, this is easy. I, like I've, I've already done this. I don't need it. But I could see my friends who were from like um, girls and guys alike who were from like theater or law or business because our, our uh, master's of interaction design was like open to anyone mm. who wants into transition. And they were just like stuck on the first, but the, the content was just flowing. Yeah. Hey, just yeah, hold yeah. on. Just yeah. let me take this in. So I think um, sometimes um, we might do injustice to people who are learning by, you know, going forward too quick and not uh, like, you know, not um, acknowledging that it's more important to go slower and make sure that basics is right than go into mm. the advanced straight up. I mean, it sounds like if you treat it more like a creative process like like you would with anything like learning a new like learning instrument or whatever uh yeah like you actually need that you actually need time like you can't pick it up quickly you're saying it's similar yeah yeah pretty much like it's like you know if i can't code a circle you know on the mm. screen how can i code like a uh, you know, yeah, particle anything. system <laughs> yeah. that is like a you know swarm of bees. Like within like two weeks of knowing, you know that that just. I think they have to really think about the pace. No matter like what gender, it's more about um, or or what department you come from. Like it's just mm. everyone. Yeah, like I've I've literally got business students. Oh, yeah, business students coming in, you know, because they're transferring, like just you know to uh, get a design thing or architecture students, um, and they've never done programming. So yeah. you know, for them, they you still have to start from the A, B, C, like, and not just say, "Hey, this is programming now, build a," you know. Yeah. I think once um, once you start falling behind, you know, as you said, Ruchi, like if you see a student, you know, is still stuck on that first thing that they said and then the rest of the class moves on, I think that creates this sense of panic and feeds into that fear of technology and I'm not good at this, you know, I'm naturally not going to excel at this, like this is just not for me. Yeah. And then that feeds that real cycle of fear of technology. It sounds like the big takeaway from all this, like if I was going to wrap it up in some sort of conclusion, it sounds like like the creative and technology side of things actually have much more in common than they're at least perceived at the very least. Mm -hmm. They have the same process, the same, same systems, the same essentially problems. And all it requires is just to acknowledge that in order to breach that divide. Is that 
is that a too broad of a conclusion? Yeah, I think at the end, if you don't know something and you're learning it, the learning process has to be similar. Like, mm. um, you know, it depends on, you know, say if I'm learning a language, um, say I've, I'm learning Spanish, I've learned French before, so I kind of can, I'm faster at learning you Spanish. learn how to learn, yeah. Yeah, and, and so then... If I have no background, I'll go a different, you know, space. So, um, like, if people, rather than getting scared of the, the reason why they get scared of technology is rather than climbing a, a ladder, like, one step at a time, they want to get to the top. I want to know how to do this, like, the expert within yeah, one course. day. And you're like, no, 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 it's, it takes time. Yeah. Mm. I mean, the, the, the main difference that I encountered in working with scientists and then being an artist and working with artists as well is scientists want to provide a solution. Artists don't. <laughs> um, you know, you kind of, you put forward a question, you're right, you want to stir imagination about some, something that maybe it's invisible, it doesn't exist yet, there's projections towards the future. So, but both, both genres seem to be involved deeply in practice and I think that's what we have in common. That's quite yeah. beautiful. <laughs> I don't know. It's like a beautiful kind of comparison. I mean, that all mm. makes sense. That actually seems quite achievable now that I think about it. It's just like <laughs> as long as there's uh, discussion and collaboration around it, it seems mm. fine. And that was the discussion. And so here's some pleasant signing off. Awesome. Thank you, guys. If I can just make a suggestion that maybe Tom at the beginning or at the end actually plays us something. And this is what I've been working on. <laughs> That's, That's right. right. <laughs> so, Agnishka, this is for you. Creative Dialogues is a Wollongong City Council project. We'd like to thank University of Wollongong's Global Challenges Program for their support on this episode. This episode was hosted and edited by uh, me, Tom Hogan, and theme music by Tom Hogan. See the show notes for further information from today's artists and visit the Wollongong City Council website for upcoming episodes of Creative Dialogues. Thanks very much. Thank you guys. See you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.